0: You are listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I am Carla Redondo, former Chief Meteorologist of Channel 4, now a certified orientation and mobility specialist. I have a vision impairment. I have retinitis pigmentosis, and I use a white cane. I'm excited about today's guest. I've been following her for a while. Uh, We're going to get to a lot of the athletic part of it, but she is now uh, deemed the fittest blind female on Earth, and we're going to get into that in a little while. But first, I'd like you to welcome Kim DeCarroll to the Reading Radio Public Affairs Show. Uh,
1: Thanks for having me. I I'm really excited.
0: I'm a huge fan uh, being in CrossFit, and I follow your career in CrossFit as well. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But first, I'd like for you to tell our listeners about your eye condition when you were diagnosed and what actually, if any, vision you have right now.
1: Yeah, um, I was. I have retinitis pigmentosa, same as you, but um, in my case, it was very atypical compared to what is quote unquote normal RP. So I was diagnosed when I was five, obviously I was born with it, but I, um, doc, you know, my parents and teachers started noticing once I started school that I was having some problems. And so I was diagnosed when I was five and my parents were told I'd most likely be totally blind by my, early adulthood and RP is described as it is the slow degeneration of the retina and people end up with tunnel vision where they lose their peripheral vision and then eventually end up with a pinprick of vision in their central vision. Well, for me, I actually lost my central vision first and then as I got older, I lost like islands of vision. So my vision started looking like a chewed up donut. And at this point, um, I technically, untechnically, I have no vision. I can tell you if it's light or dark night and day, you know, I can still see light. I'm very sensitive to bright light or just. Um, light in general and sometimes in the perfect setting I can kind of catch contrast out of my left peripheral vision so yeah that's kind of where I am right now and hey I'd be happy even if it stays stays if my vision stays like this
0: I hear you. I I was diagnosed uh, about four or five years ago, so I got it late in life, and no one in my family has had RP. So we know it's supposed to be a genetic disease or mm-hmm. condition, but I got it late in life. So, and I know RP usually begins in your teens and 20s, and or early on in in your age, but. Uh, yeah, so uh, I can say that right now I still have like three to five degrees of vision, and I see 20-20 out of one eye. So I see clearly, but I just don't mm. see a lot. So uh, I still have some yeah. functional vision right now.
1: And and that's the same. They did so much genetic testing as I grew up. I mean, obviously, I was this anomaly of how my vision progressed. So I was, and I was sent all over the country to different specialists and doctors and, um, you know, everybody wanted a chance to look in, in these baby blues, but, um, nobody in my family has had RP. They tested cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody, my grandparents, and, you know, it, luck of the draw. <laughs>
0: I, guess, so. I hear you. And how did you adjust as a as a, a young girl growing up knowing that you had a condition like this? How how was it for you to adjust? How did friends treat you and family members and how how was it between childhood and now adulthood?
1: You know, that is even as I get older, I find myself doing more like soul searching about even how what I, what I was like as a child or how I was treated or how I dealt with things. And, you know, I, my parents did a fantastic job at the second, basically, that I was diagnosed. I started learning cane travel, Braille, um, mobility lessons. I mean, they were truly preparing me, but I... I don't think I was really prepared to live as a totally blind person. You know, you learn all these things as a kid and you don't want to like depress a child, but like, it's like a game. And then as you get older, it becomes like, Oh, this is like for real. Like this is going to be my life. Um, But what I do very much appreciate is that I didn't live treated differently. I... My parents signed me up for dance classes and tumbling classes. I, you know, and I started actually dancing when I was three. So it was before I was even diagnosed and I loved to dance. I loved it. And I think that was a big escape for me because I couldn't play sports. I was never allowed to take PE, but I could dance. And so... I I mean, I ended up getting a degree in dance. So I think that was a big part of how I coped with my vision loss because that gave me something that was mine.
0: Now, do you still use a white cane in your orientation and mobility training?
1: Um, I don't use a white cane. Um, I never... I never really attached myself to a white cane. I I think that was actually part of, you know, you end up with these like mental traumas because I started learning how to use the white cane when I was five. And as a kid, and then I was made fun of and um, picked on. And I, I think I always, I hated it. I hated the white cane. So looking back, I think, oh man, I would have been so much better off in high school or early college when I still had a little bit of vision, but I would struggle. I really struggled because I would refuse to use my cane. And um, and that was part of my confidence. I didn't have confidence back then at being a visually impaired or blind in a person. So it wasn't until I got a guide dog that really um, changed things for me. But that wasn't until I was a, a growing up with kids. <laughs> and um, so, yes, I use a guide dog, Citrus, and um, mobility training, definitely. It's just natural, you know, to do things, a sighted guide, or hold my hand up in front of my face as I walk through. Areas. There's so much in Braille. I use Braille. And um, so a lot of that just became I, I I have to even think about it. But it's just instinct. It's second nature because I started learning about it so young.
0: And I can tell from some of your videos on Instagram, you have a lot of family support and that is so important.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, my I mean, my husband has been my my number one. I mean, he was the one that even said, "Okay, it's time for you to get a guide dog. It's time for you to go to CrossFit. <laughs> it's time." And you know, he's he's definitely been the biggest influencer in 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 making me <laughs> who I am, what I am today.
0: And you've, you've kind of touched on the segue there, CrossFit. So tell us exactly how you got into it, how much you enjoyed, it, and how that's changed for you and how it's changed your attitude as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I got into CrossFit because I ended up in my early 20s having a lot of other health issues and lupus with rheumatoid arthritis. And it really it took away dance. It really devastated me, even more so than my my eyes. And then I ended up having some emergency surgeries because of um, the lupus and everything caused liver failure. Um, anyway, obviously, I lived to tell the story. But when I came out of those surgeries, um, any vision I had left was gone, totally gone. The world went, white on me and I kept thinking oh it will come back what I it just needs to heal but it it never did and so at that point I felt good again but I I had lost all my confidence like I felt so defeated and I wouldn't say I was depressed because I don't know I don't feel like that's who how I deal with things but I certainly felt lost and basically my husband had been doing CrossFit for two or three years by then and I was adamant no way I will not I cannot I will not and one day he told me you're going to the CrossFit gym and I said no I'm not and then I did and (laughs) I was terrified like terrified doesn't even Describe it. It was, it was terrifying. It was, and um. But I made it through, and after one day, I knew I wanted to go back. And then, at the same time, I had two really young kids, and as a mom, making all those excuses, I don't have time. I I have kids. I have to do this. I have to do that. But I I really loved it. I I knew this was something I wanted to do so it's strange how two days a week and then turned into three days a week and somehow I made time for that and that turned into four days a week and then I found adaptive CrossFit which made me insanely competitive <laughs> and that turned into double days and somehow I still made time so I just prioritize my life different but going back I often tell um, people how what really changed me to know that CrossFit was for me was that you know I was still so shy and so insecure about my um, blindness and it was about two weeks into going to CrossFit that I walked up to one of the coaches at the gym and I just said, you know, thank you so much for letting me be here and letting me try to do this. And he just looked at me and he said, Kim, I don't feel sorry for you. So if this is what you want to do, I'm going to make it happen. And I just, it made me glow inside because I thought finally, like someone that doesn't pity me or say I can't do it. Like he was just like, if this is what you're doing, we're going to make it happen. And I was like, Yes, thank you. And I've been i guess unstoppable ever since
0: yeah, yeah you have been and I, you're right about the coaches, the community. it is so inclusive, so welcoming, and I've noticed that also because you know I'm an older athlete i'm fifty eight I can't do the things that you younger kids can do, but I'm still part of the group they, they the coaches still treat me and coach me as they do any other, and they are aware of my my um my visual impairment. I, I go to a gym that has five ATA certified coaches, which is one of the main reasons oh, why so I awesome. switched gyms, because they have five. And I had one coach at my previous gym and and she's been tremendous and, and I love her to death. And so and she was on this show earlier talking about being an ATA certified coach and what it meant to me and how she's changed her view of coaching because of me with my visual impairment. But going back to mm-hmm. the CrossFit Games now that CrossFit has a, a, an open that includes everybody in the whole world. And they now mm-hmm. last year included an adaptive division and you were involved in the vision impairment division. I was involved in that meant so much to the adaptive community, didn't it?
1: It did. And you better sign up this year, too. I will yes. sign up. I'm,
0: I'm going to do the Open. Yes, I will do the Open. I, I never, you know, let the Open pass. I will do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it really, um, it really has opened up adaptive CrossFit. But that is and it is growing so much and it is bringing more awareness, but I really think what people should know about adaptive CrossFit is about WheelWOD. I mean, WheelWOD is the platform that um, is created to help and create competitive adaptive athletes or do training for adaptive athletes or coaches and, it really, it started from one person and has grown into this beyond words uh, community of athletes and coaches. And and CrossFit, the company, is doing amazing things as well. But I don't think that Wide gets quite as much Glory, I guess is the word, as they, as they
0: should. No, you're right. You're right, because it's been wheel-wad first, and now CrossFit is trying to include everybody. But there are still mm-hmm. some limitations that CrossFit has with it. I, I understand that um, the visually impaired division will not be at the CrossFit Games again this this year. So um, that's something that hopefully in the future, because I'd love to see you at Madison competing at the games because <laughs> know. you are labeled the fittest blind female on earth. And that, that is something to say.
1: It It is. I mean, that was my, my goal this year. That was my, my dream. It's what I've been working towards ever since, you know, visual impairment has been added because when I started, um, when I first discovered wheelwad and adaptive CrossFit, I was considered, I was in the lower limb division. I always laughed, like some of my eyes on my legs um, and, and just seeing it even in that growth, you know, when, when I started, they, they were the, um, they were adapting for visually impaired athletes, but. The only, um, um, the only thing they knew was from true, like visually impaired athletes, people that still had vision, but had visual impairments. So there was movement still being done that I was like, "Wait, what?" You know, like even just you know running on your own. I'm like, "I'm not. I can't run on my own." <laughs> you know, um, I think. You know, when I kind of came on the scene with, I really just signed up for all of this for fun. I mean, I really, and when I kind of came on the scene as the first totally blind athlete, it it kind of changed the perspective of what um, adapting for a blind or visually impaired athlete should be or could be. And so I really, that, to me i mean vision loss is awful i do i like being blind no do i like not being able to see absolutely not but like to have something come out of my blindness that can help others has been so rewarding and it it makes it you know a little bit worth it in in that respect
0: and what what you show and what we try and preach and what this radio station also is involved with, uh, trying to get uh, listeners to hear novels and and magazine articles, but it, it's basically the 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 premise that. Just because you have little vision or no vision doesn't mean you you have to stay home and do nothing. You can do many yeah. things. You can exercise. You can go for walks. Mm-hmm. You can do things. But you just have to adapt and do them differently. And that's what I, yeah. try, I try and tell a lot of my clients. You know, you can do exercise. You can do these things again. You just have to do them differently, maybe with a white cane, maybe with a guide or maybe with uh, assisted technology. But there's no reason why someone without sight or vision uh, cannot do things that they did before. And and being an advocate like you are is something that I always preach and tell people, well, look at look at look at Kim, look at uh, so and so. Look at what they're doing. And being an advocate is so important uh, to the uh, visually impaired that it's wonderful to see someone, you know, show that like you do.
1: And also trying to share with people that you don't have to be me, right? You don't have to be able to climb ropes and do pull-ups and do all lift 150 pounds over your head. You don't, you don't have to be able to do any of that. You just have to find something that you enjoy. And when it comes to exercise, you can do as little as creating a safe space, right? Right. I mean, you even see it in my videos. I have like white towels on the floor to make kind of texture barriers for myself. But I do the same exact thing in my living room while I'm doing yoga. I put things around. So I know that I'm safe in an area and I can do stretching or sit-ups. You don't, not everybody needs to be the fittest blind female on earth though I would really like more people to sign up for the open and 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 be a part of this and in in that I also want to really encourage people to knowing to do CrossFit I mean and you know this as well to be a part of CrossFit you also don't have to be elite or good or anything you can be able to you can just be able to do like an air squat or but it's you ha, you can start somewhere and be a part of a community that will change your life.
0: Yeah, that's what my coach, uh, Sarah Waldman, was talking about when I had her on. You can put your hand on the back of a chair and kind of do squats or just sitting and standing, sit, just simple things that many people think is not exercise is. And the good thing about CrossFit, too, is you can be any age – any fitness level, mm-hmm. any uh, impairment or, or uh, you know, it, CrossFit's for everybody. The coaches will m- modify any kind of workout to help you get a workout and maybe be the best that you can be for that day. So I, I, yeah. I, re- I recommend anybody listening, you know, find a CrossFit gym in your area. It's easy to find. Uh, just Google CrossFit gyms in whatever location you're at. And some will pop up and you can, you know, go and the, and again, coaches are wonderful. Coaches are awesome. Members are wonderful. So, and Kim, I've taken a lot of tips from you. I've seen that white towel on the floor and I've put uh, dumbbells on the uh, white towel so I can find them quicker because, you know, yeah. dark, dark, uh, weights on a dark surface is hard to find without, without mm-hmm. contrast.
1: Yeah. And coming up, like, you know, getting to talk to equip products, the, equipment company and help, having them help me to have equipment that works well for me, like the bar markers, because two years ago at Wadapalooza I was complaining to them that I, <laughs> I was frustrated because when I had to go and do deadlifts, all the other athletes had already started, but I had to like run my thumb to feel where to put my hand, run my other thumb to feel where to put my hand. By then I could hear they're already on their third deadlift. And so we came up with the idea of bar markers that I could wrap these things, these markers around my um, barbell so I could place them and then feel where they are, put my hands down and start moving. And so little things. And once again, going back to the community that these, you know, th- this equipment company, these people are just so willing to help me and everybody else succeed and feel confident in what we're doing and safe.
0: Exactly, that's and, a and big part of it. I saw that on on your your pages. So I I have the bar markers. I have the white contrast jump rope. I have the white wall ball, and they they do make a world of difference because, for mm-hmm. you know whatever condition it is for the visually impaired, you know that contrast is something that's important. You don't want a dark wall ball falling on your face because you can't see it coming down yeah. on that dark wall, so it, it does help a lot, yes. Um, so you're, you're an advocate, so tell people where they can find you on social media. Tell them on your Facebook and your Instagram. G- g- give a shout-out to those pages for them.
1: Uh, Instagram is my main social media account, and it is Kim Possible, XOXO, it's K-Y-M. P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-X-O-X-O. And on Facebook, I'm just Kim DeCarol, K-Y-M-D-E-K-E-Y-R-E-L. And that's, you know, primarily where I am. And I try to post, you know, a few times a week and kind of share with people, not just what it's like as an athlete, but also just as a person living as a parent and working and even just sharing the funny things, the share, the nuances about being blind and
0: yeah. Well, I, I do call you our fearless leader to the visually impaired. I so love it. I, I do call you our fearless leader. Now, <laughs> as, as we wind down this interview, I usually ask four questions of, of the guests that I, I have on. So the first, First question I, I have is, what is your favorite movie and why?
1: Mm, my favorite movie? Um, I really think, I, I mean, I guess I like a lot of movies, but the first one that did come to mind is Mighty Ducks. I've always loved the movie Mighty Ducks. And in general, I think I like that kind of age of movies because I can still see them. I watched them a thousand times as a kid or as a young – I mean, I still watch Mighty Ducks with my kids, and they play ice hockey, and my husband plays ice hockey. Yeah, Mighty Ducks.
0: Okay, let's shift now (laughs) to music. What's your favorite genre of music or favorite artist, or what what do you listen to when you work out?
1: Oh, my favorite artist is Train, the band Train, uh, Drops of Jupiter. I love – pretty much all music. I, I love country music. I love pop. I mean, I was a dancer. So music, I love classical music. I Music is everything. And especially being blind and are visually impaired, like music just is part of my soul and listening to the lyrics and taking it all in, um, working out. I just like some good Good rock music, mainly classic rock. probably my favorite to work out, to.
0: Yeah, that's me. I'm classic rock. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do to relax besides CrossFit? What do you do to relax? What uh, your hobby or, or what, what just calms you and soothes you?
1: Relax. Uh, some yoga and get a massage and... Oh, I guess actually what I do to relax is I listen to audiobooks. That's my, okay. my hey. big.
0: Good. Last question is what is it you still want to do or go to that you haven't done yet?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I What do I still want to do? I, I'll just I I guess what I still want to do is just not be afraid to do anything. You know, I've always been so until CrossFit, truly, until CrossFit, I was afraid of my own shadow, like to feel independent or to feel empowered. I mean, I would I I you I would have been unrecognizable now to people. I think the, the The pre-Kim possible days. Um, And and maybe my parents and stuff would argue with that, saying like, oh, I've always been confident. But now I just love that if I'm asked or something comes up, I say, yes, I'll try it. Yes, let's do it. So I'm just looking forward to anything, everything.
0: And that's why you're our fearless leader. (laughs) <laughs> Kim, thank you very much for being my guest. Uh, you're awesome, and I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to you. And, and thank you for being such an advocate, and, and I hope people check out your, your pages to see how awesome you are.
1: Thank you for having me. This is fantastic.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to The Public Affairs Show on WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. I am Carla Redondo. Thank you for listening.